Okay, I'm excited for this interview today. Neil and I are in LA. Say hello, Neil. Hello. And we are going to do an interview of just questions, questions and answers. This was something that we got from a review. And by the way, if you want us to read your review, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I love this review from Abby Brown 55 who said, I love Corinne, what she stands for, that she shares the gospel. I really enjoy the topics. And so far, my favorite podcasts are when it's just Corinne and Neil and they share their own stories. They are wonderful people. First of all, that's super sweet. Thank you, Abby. Thanks, Abby. Second of all, this spurred a fun idea from Neil, which was? To poll all of you to see what questions you have for us that we can answer and just do a whole podcast episode just on that. So we asked my audience on Instagram, which is just at Mint Arrow, we asked you guys what questions you had for us so that we could just answer those today and have a just a fun like kickback conversation about whatever it is you guys are curious about. So we're going to start off with one of the questions that we heard the most, which was, how did you two meet? And I see you looking at me because <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to want me to start that one. So um, back when we were single, I had a group of high school buddies that every year they would do, one of them, his family had a houseboat in Lake Powell. If you don't know where that's at, that's kind of southern Utah on the Utah-Arizona border. But huge lake, nice, fun, warm place uh, to go boating and houseboating. So big trip put together. Corinne has some opinions on that trip. Whatever. <laughs> it was That is like a dreamy trip. I love it. We kept going on it for a few years. Yeah. But what's that movie where they say like the the boys keep getting older and the girls stay the same age? There's like some movie, There's right? There's a quote. It's I think from the movie Days and Confused. Matthew yeah. McConaughey oh. says it. Well, I've never seen that movie. But that's basically <laughs> the idea there. These girls on these trips were typically like 18 years old. And one of my friends, Heather, shout out to Heather, was dating your friend, Brett. And she was like 25 at the time, a working professional. She had her master's in speech and language pathology. And she was like, I am not going on this trip as the only 25-year-old with a bunch of other 18-year-old girls. So she invited me and another friend, another couple friends, Allison and Tara, to come. So I didn't know anyone other than these three girls. And then it was like all my high school buddies and all these girls that they invited. Random. So it was kind of funny. The last place is literally the last place I would have thought to find my future wife. It was a great trip. A bunch of people on a houseboat, good time. And when he says a bunch of people, he means like, like a houseboat should only sleep 15 people. And we had like 50 yeah. people on there, literally. Five zero. Like stacked side to side on the top deck and like sardines. Yeah, crazy. Sleeping on the floor, sleeping on every crack and it crevice of the houseboat, crazy. but so much But fun. it was fun though. And so yeah, just saw Corinne and we had a great conversation kind of right off the bat. You know, it, it, Corinne, I, I knew there was something different about her and we had a, like a really cool spiritual conversation kind of the first night that we met and then progressed from there and we dated and later got married. Yep. Oh, this is a good one to segue into next. How did Neil propose? Okay, it's a good one. So if you're familiar, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people that are familiar with The Bachelor or Bachelorette. Um, <laughs> so I did involve roses, believe it was a dozen. And I, I have to admit, I kind of stole this idea from my brother. But what I did was I had a dozen roses and then I had a friend kind of deliver Corinne a message 
with the first rows, just saying like one thing that I love about Corinne with each of the dozen roses. So the first rose, I had a, one of Corinne's really good friends deliver the first one with kind of the card that had the re, one of the things that I loved about Corinne and then just told her a message like, hey, go about your day and you'll, you know, you'll have these roses throughout your day kind of telling you one thing that Neil loves about you. So she went kind of through her day, I, I think I gave one to the, her hairdresser. She's getting her hair done that, that day. Her family, I involved them, and they, you know, they would read the card. And then the last one, I delivered myself, and we were up by the Bountiful Temple in Utah, and I played a little Hawaiian wedding song, um, which was kind of a tradition in my family, and then gave her the, the final rose. Mm-hmm. I wish I could have gotten Chris Harrison involved in this, but... Um, <laughs> It was a little, a little outside of the, the pay grade on that one. But yeah, then proposed. That's my side of it. I don't know. Well, there were actually listen. two proposals. If oh, that's right. Honest. That's right. Yeah. So we did break off our engagement. That was the first one. And then we broke off our engagement, which uh, is a long story in and of itself. We've told on, I think, on another podcast. But the second one, yeah, maybe you can talk about the second one. The second one I loved almost as much as the first because there was no fanfare. There was nothing rehearsed. It just, we had been dating again for a couple of months and we went to the movie Tangled and then we went back to Neil's house and just talked for hours. It was one of those times where we just sat and talked and talked. And then at some point in the conversation, he said, hold on just a minute. And he went to his closet and pulled the ring back out and came and just got on one knee and gave me this amazing speech, just poured his heart out and we got reengaged. And I almost loved that one as much or maybe even more than the first time. Because it was just us. It was just us. That was, yeah. Another great segue. So several people asked about marriage tips, and I think that would be a great, like, full episode some other time, but we might as well just rattle off a few of our favorite tips about marriage. So do you want to go first? Sure. I'm trying to think. That's a pretty broad (laughs) question. It's a deep question. There's a lot that goes into it. One of the things that I really like, though, I took a really cool class, Communication and Relationships. I think it was probably my favorite class that I took in college. But one of the things that came out of it, you know, they drop all the research and all this stuff about communication techniques and how to have a great relationship in your with your marriage and family, etc. But one of the things that they said was friendship is key. That is a really good piece of advice or, I don't know, from research that they did. So I think work just building that friendship and making the your partner your, your best friend, I think, is one of the greatest things that has helped us in our marriage. And I, and I can honestly say that I, that Corinne's my best friend. So that's, that's what nice. I, I don't know, something. Well, my top tip for marriage is probably step 10 of the 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that really was such a game changer for us. I think before Neil and I did the steps, we would oftentimes just sit in conflict and his version of sit in conflict is avoid it. And my version of sit in conflict is just, be mad about it as long as I could because I felt justified in whatever my side of it was. And now I feel like we've both really made an effort to not do either of those things. And step 10 is to take a personal accountability and when you're wrong, promptly admit it. And I feel like that has changed the dynamic of our relationship so much because it's something we both take really seriously, making sure that we're daily accountable for our own actions. And then What I really learned doing and practicing to step 10 on a daily basis is it doesn't mean that you're giving up your side of what you feel. 
It just means that you're taking accountability for whatever you did wrong. And I feel like when you're focused on that rather than being right, but just daily having that accountability with yourself and saying, what did I do wrong and how can I make it right? It sets up a foundation to have a more equal relationship, to have more forgiveness and kindness and understanding and just, I don't know, it just makes things so much more healthy, I feel like, in a relationship when you're focused on what did I do wrong today and how can I make it right? Yeah, no, I'd have to agree because I think a lot of the times the natural knee-jerk reaction, especially in marriage, is to focus on the other person and what they're doing wrong and kind of like trying to kind of hold them accountable or be like, well, this is why you're the problem and you did this. And, And then it's like, well, no, you did this. But I think step 10 is all about doing the exact opposite of that. It's, it's where am I wrong? And I focus just on that. And something magical happens. I think when you both do that, that the situation, the relationship, like it repairs itself. And suddenly when you're both focusing on just your own self and and what you have control over your side of the street, more or less, that, uh, it cleans things up and, and gets your relationship back into where you need it to be. And so that's been huge for us. Yeah, and I think, too, the commitment to promptly admit when you're wrong, that really was a game changer for me, too. I can only speak for myself, but it just forces me to really get honest with myself. Am I immediately saying I'm sorry when I'm wrong versus, like, holding on to it because it's more important for me to hold on to my pride that part of my argument was right, if that makes sense. You let go of that and you're more concerned about staying in check with admitting when you're wrong right away. Yeah. It just makes such a difference. There's a lot of power in that. So that's my top marriage tip is step 10. Somebody asked about, and they said, I'm about to move away from family for the first time. Tips on how to make the best of it. You're probably going to have a better response than I will at that. I think, you know, you're really close to your family and mm-hmm. that was kind of more of a challenge for you. That was hard um, for me. But but yeah, I don't know. What would you hard, say Hard, but so good. I would strongly encourage anyone who, especially ironically, anyone who feels super, super close with their family, but wants even more to have a close relationship with their partner to consider moving away. Because when Neil and I moved away to Southern California, we got here and we were kind of like, oh, this is it. It's just us. You know, in Utah, I had my college friends, my high school friends, my friends after I got divorced, my friends when I first had a baby, my friends from work, my friends from the neighborhood we lived in once we got married. I mean, just friends from all different walks of life that were all kind of in different places in the Salt Lake and Utah Valley. And then when we got down here, it literally was just you and me. And we had to figure out how to be really close. And I felt like that was so healthy for us. Things that I wish I would have done differently though, like looking back at my transition into the first community that we lived in versus the one that we live in now, I didn't take enough of the invitations or opportunities to make friends with people. I kind of was like, oh, I'll ease into this. And I remember when I first moved down to Southern California, it was like there was so much excitement about being by the beach. And I had you know, Annabelle, who was 18 months old, and we would go to the beach every day, and it was just something new and fun and exciting. And then toward the end of the summer, I remember just feeling lonely and sad because that excitement had gone away, and you were working full-time, and I just felt really lonely. 
And I wish I would have put myself out there. I wish I would have just made the effort to do things with people and always said yes to invitations. And so when we moved to the new neighborhood that we're in now a little over a year ago, I really was like, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to take every opportunity I can to get out, even if it's something that doesn't interest me as much as, you know, it's like maybe not my top interest, for example, there's a group of girls in our neighborhood that do a game night like once a month. Game night is not my thing. Like I'm that's not my idea of fun off the top of my head. That's not the first place I go. But I realized like I need friends. I need those connections. I need relationships. So when I got invited to go to game night, I was like, yes, I'll be there. And so I've tried to, you know, cultivate friendships, be there for other people, be the type of friend that I felt like I needed when I first moved away so that and I feel like because I've made that effort in this new neighborhood that we're in, I have better friendships, stronger friendships here than I did in the neighborhood we lived in four years, you know, for our first four years in Southern California because I just didn't make enough of an effort. One of the main things I think for us too is is like with with our church, the church that we go to, the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, you have kind of a built-in network or built-in family. Like you can mm-hmm. go to any church, you know, in the world and you're going to find a similar setup and kind of framework. And there's kind of an instant family that exists there. So that was huge for us to have to, to land. Like we had all these people there when we moved to, um, they unloaded our truck, like yeah. put beds together. I mean, it took them like 10 minutes to unload this truck and put a bunch. It was, it was incredible. It was and, amazing. You know, you, you have people that are assigned to you to, to kind of help you, you know, learn the ropes of the area or the lay of the land and kind of work with you on that. So I think if you're involved in some type of a, I don't know, organization or church or, you know, I don't know, club or whatever, that having that right off the bat is something that was was really big for us. That's so true. It's really such a blessing to have that immediate family wherever you go. Don't you feel like, though, with our new neighborhood, like you're even more close with some of these guy friends that like you work out with every morning and that yeah I th- you've I put mean, your, it seems I like I watched you, you put, put yourself out you there have more. to that's what I've found in friendships is like I think you can be really tight and really good friends with a lot of various people but it it takes like it takes work on the mm-hmm. front end you kind of have to go out on a limb and and you know there's some vulnerability there but I think as you do that and people kind of get a sense of your personality and then like they get to know you, then that those relationships build a lot quicker. So, you know, I linked up, I was invited to start working out with some guys early in the morning. And so linked up with them and, you know, that kind of transitioned to some other relationships and friendships that I've, I've built in a new area. So, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable type of an approach with it that's i think where a lot of those solutions are making that transition easier comes in is when you can do that okay this is transitioning to a kind of lighthearted question someone asked how many things do you have in common versus different like hobbies music etc 
I'm going to let you start off on that one. Okay. Neil has terrible taste in music, that as you all true. know. That is not true. Who My likes Creed? Of the music. I like you. You take that. You use that example all the time. Like, I don't. The Creed's because cool, but I don't like. Who likes Creed? That's not the one. I Come do that on. just more to annoy you than anything, <laughs> just because I know you hate it. I just turn it on loud when it comes on. But Okay. The answer to this is we have pretty different likes in most things. I love like, okay, here's a great example. There's a radio station in Utah called FM 100 <laughs> and I love it. When we go to Utah, it's like the first thing I do. I turn it on the rental car, FM 100, because they play all of these great like songs from the 70s, 80s, 90s. They're all like the type of music you hear at a really great dentist office. Or like Disney songs, like like the duet, Beauty and the Beast. Sometimes you like, like that. that song. No, I do. You're I'm, way, I'm, anytime I'm, that comes I'm on, diverse. that's your jam. I'm more diverse, I think, oh, than you, uh-huh. you probably are. You? are. Anyway, the reason why I love that is because my mom would drive around and listen to that stuff. So I'm talking about like Kenny G, Peebo Bryson. Who doesn't love Kenny G? Tell me that Celine doesn't get you excited. Dion, like the, the old school hits, you know, so, or like Steve Winwood. I mean, I don't know if anyone that's listening to this can even relate to any of those. But anyway, so I love those old school hits, but I also, I love, we love a lot of the same stuff. We like, what's that guy's name we'll that we went to? Some country. We'll listen to country. I love like some 90s R&B. Get yeah, some Brian what's McKnight. the guy? Brian, Brian McKnight. McKnight. That was probably McKnight. the best. I think we that both cool agree concert. that that yeah, was the best like concert we've ever been concert. to. Yeah. If you ha- ever have the chance to go listen to Brian McKnight acoustic, yeah, Take he's that like super talented. He can play like 15 different instruments. He's yeah, incredible. It's crazy. But activities. So my idea of the perfect day, actually my mom did ask like, what's your idea of the perfect day? So my idea of the perfect day is like laying by either at, by the pool or at a beach with a book and a Diet Coke and relaxing. And Neil's idea of the perfect day is like rallying on anything that has exactly. a motor and wheels. Like that, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm an activities guy. Like I can sit for a while. I do like to just hang out by the pool. I'll, I'll hang with you on that and, you know, listen to some, some music and just chill out. But I, I get a little stir crazy. I got to go do something. You give me something to do that's active. Like I've mellowed it out quite a bit now and that I've got like kids and stuff, but I used to be into like riding motocross and maybe you should tell them what, and, what you did last time we went to Cancun. When we went on that trip to Cancun and they had that flow rider. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> life changing. So yeah, there was, um, if you're not familiar with what flow rider is, it's like a, uh, still wave more or less. They give you this little surfboard and it's kind of, you know, like a little half or a quarter pipe that shoots water up it and you just carve back and forth on it. So we, we were at a hotel that had a flow rider and I just did that literally the entire time. It was like sun up to sundown. It was amazing. I was like, have fun, honey. It changed my and life. And I sat next to the pool and read a book. Total win win. It was perfect. Win win situation. Corinne got to do her thing. I got, and then you I need could to like, go back I'd, there. then I'd get out and go sit by the pool for a minute. And then I go and sash again. So when yeah. he says for a minute, he literally means a minute. Well, like two minutes. Yeah. And then I go back. At and, the most. Yeah. It was bomb. So we're pretty opposite with some of those things, but I feel like we both enjoy a good, like going to a movie. We both enjoy a good, dinner out and just conversation you know we did a lot of that in the beginning like in dating we would just get together and talk for hours and hours we still do that we still enjoy you know sitting in the car even if it's like a road trip or something just 
yeah. being able to talk. And I think the biggest commonality is like beliefs. Like mm-hmm. that's the one that's really at the core of our relationship. I would have to say that we both are kind of, you know, on the same page and on the same direction with, and that, that really is the most important thing I would we say can, in our relationship. Yeah. So we can always find common ground with it really doesn't matter what situation it is. We can always bring it back to that and figure out what feels right based upon the fact that our beliefs are aligned. Yeah, for sure. So I agree with that. Let's transition to business for a minute. We've had a decent amount of business questions. Someone asks, Neil, have you always been supportive of Corinne's business? Ooh, that's a good question. Honestly, in the beginning, it was a big challenge for me. Um, I spent like my entire from when I got out of high school and I went on a service mission for our church for a couple of years, I got really, I was really serious about like preparing myself for life and preparing myself to support a family. And so I like was really strategic and tried to be thoughtful about how to be ready to do that. You know, did school and got into the career, did got into medical device sales and was, you know, feeling pretty good about that and trying to chart a path and be successful. And so I saw it as when we, we initially got married, I think we were both on the same page with it of like, hey, Corinne wanted to just be a mom and focus on the kids. And I was like, hey, yeah, I, I you know, will work and provide for our family. And that was the plan. So I, you know, was trying to position things and put things together to be able to do that. And I, you know, was making, hit some goals that I, with the company that I wanted to work for, et cetera, et cetera, and was trying to put that together. Initially, when she started going to a bunch of different events and, you know, getting into the, into blogging and it started to, to kind of take a certain direction, I think that that was super hard for me, I think, initially, because I was like, I, I remember asking in a conversation, asking her, I'm like, well, how, how big do you want this to be? Like, how, how far are you going to go with this? You know, like, so that was really tough for me. But I think we worked through it. And really, at the end of the day, what I think what, what it came down to was following and, you know, following your heart or following kind of impressions, it grew and, and developed into, I don't know, it just kind of took on a life of its own and continued to progress. And then things, you know, with my career, we moved out to for a job uh, for me to California. Things didn't work out there. And then, you know, we ended up working together. So in the end of the day, like we're, we're able to do things now that I've kind of always wanted to be able to do because of it. But initially... That was really difficult for me. Well, and from my perspective, I was always on board too with that same plan. Like Neil worked, I would be at home and that would be my work would be just, you know, taking care of kids and um, not just, but like that would be the focus. And when I started doing Mint Arrow, I, a lot of you guys know that was, it was a way for me to get out of postpartum depression, which we have a whole episode about. But one thing that I feel like is worth noting is we did butt heads a little bit in the beginning about how to spend the money when the business finally started to make a little bit of money. And when I say a little bit, really, it was little. It was like I would like a work few hundred dollars. full, well, I'd work like full-time hours, not full-time, but I would work when Annabelle, before she woke up, and then during her naps, and then at night when she went to bed, it was really like I was spending most of my spare time when I wasn't taking care of her, just doing blog stuff to try to create content. I was putting one blog post up a day, and that was taking a good amount of my time. 
And I remember we would get like at the end of a month, a check for like $130 total. Like that would be our total earnings would be maybe like $130 or something. And Neil and I totally had conflict in the beginning over, well, we need to buy new tires for our car. Why wouldn't we just use this money for that? And I was like, no, I really want this to be a business. And in order for a business to thrive, you have to put the money back in. So for the first I would say year and a half, that's all I did. Like we really didn't spend any of the money that the business was making for the first year and a half. We just, I just put everything back in, whether that was spending money to go to a conference or buying camera equipment or a place to host my WordPress site, things like that. And I feel like that was one of the things that we did to set us up for, you know, when we needed to rely on Mint Arrow as our full-time income for a while there, we were set up to do that because I had treated it like a business and not just like, this is our fun money to play with. That's something that I would give anyone advice, you know, to do that. If you want your business to grow, if you're looking at it and you're thinking, oh, I just want this to be supplemental income, then that's one thing. But if you're looking at it thinking, I want something to grow, I think it's really wise for as long as you possibly can to just filter all the money back into the business you know, you really are set up for it to grow and be profitable in, in that way. Putting the money back into the business, like at the time, I remember like we had just gotten married. We were just adapting to like a, I was adapting to a new budget. Suddenly it was like two people and three people well, with Annabelle. and then Annabelle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was totally different. I had changed jobs. So my pay structure was different. Like, so the budgeting component was like way different all of a sudden. I was looking at practicality and was like, hey, you know, if, if we were able to use this money, like we, you know, that would set us up or we would be in a better situation financially. Like, you know, we could, you know, do pay off this or whatever. And so I was thinking in those terms and really saw it from just a practical kind of logistical in the moment type of approach. But Corinne seeing the bigger picture in her wisdom was like, you know, very, very adamant. And we, and we, you know, butt heads on that pretty hard because she did that. I think she was able to grow at a way faster rate. And I think we, we got to be more successful a lot quicker because 100% of what was being generated by Mintero was going back into the business. Oh, someone says, Neil, tell us about your role in the family business. What are your routines? So my role is kind of the boring stuff that Corinne doesn't like to do. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) So like numbers, taxes, and kind of the back end stuff, budgeting, and then kind of looking at, and then with the podcast, I'll, you know, kind of put things together for that. He's downplaying that. He is totally, this is his baby. If it weren't for Neil, we would not be doing the podcast, so... He works a lot on the podcast. So that, and, and I think, you know, and the cool part that I really like about what we do is you can kind of decide where you want to go or what segments you want to build out or things. So a lot of what we do is talking about the direction we want our business to go in. Or And at this point, it's more, it's not really so much about like, hey, this, you know, this would be a great opportunity or this or that. It's really trying to feel out like kind of with your heart, what you feel drawn to or what feels right and trying to focus on that. Um, like with the podcast, I remember Corinne saying to that, she's like, I feel so strongly about this. This is so important. Like we need to do this now. But you felt aligned with that No, too. I totally did. And so we both were like, all right, let's do it. And so 
I think a lot of those building out different segments or developing, you know, the business, um, you know, working with our team, there's always things to do and, and to, to work on. And so it's kind of cool being able to develop that yourself opposed to trying to fit into. And this was always a struggle with me kind of with my career job was like to fit into the corporate mold of what they wanted or their version of, of what you should be. Trying to fit into that was always it was always tough because a lot of times I was in sales. And so they're like, you know, it was always like aggressive. We want you to, you know, aggressively solicit these solicit orders and, um, you know, close, be like hard close people. And that's just kind of not my personality. I'm more consultative. And so this is an opportunity where it's really cool to be able to just be me and, that's okay. That's great. And Neil really is super good at working with people and developing people and seeing them succeed. So he really shines in that with our team. He, we have like seven people on our team and he is really good about when we have our team meetings, he gets everybody excited and he brings that energy where I can a lot of times just be like all business and I want to put my head down and work. And he's really good at involving the team and getting people excited and motivated and feeling like they're all part of a family. Thank you. You're welcome. What were your go-to books or articles when growing your business? There's classic books that I just love mm-hmm. um, in general. I like a lot of the mindset stuff, like Think and Grow Rich is one of my favorites. How to Win Friends and Influence People is really a solid one. One that I'm revisiting that I that I used to have an audio CDs, if you know what that is. <laughs> uh, I, I used to have a CD pack of um, is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'm, I'm revisiting that. And so, so those good. are just some kind of classic books. Um, but one that current has gotten me into is Essentialism. Yeah. Um, I really like that one. But those are just some of mine that I like. Those have been all been really influential for both of us. I would say as far as business goes, I've read a lot of different books and a lot of them were very conflicting. The E-Myth was a book that I really liked, but then that whole idea of like, don't hire for the person, hire for the role and make it so that it's a machine of a business that we tried that approach. And then that was hard for us in some ways. And then we hired based upon just who the person is versus their skill set, And that has its own challenges too. And Anyway, the, I've read a lot of different business books, and the one I feel like we go back to a lot that just has some really solid principles that Neil and I both felt super aligned with by Dave Ramsey called Entree Leadership. And the thing I love about that book is that he talks a lot about servant leadership. He talks about really like Christian values that we feel very aligned with and then how those translate to having a successful business. And he talks about like don't give yourself – a parking spot that's, you know, right next to the front door and have your employees parking way at the back, you know, put yourself on equal ground with everyone. And, you know, we really try to make our team part of the family and look at a lot of his principles that he has in there and work off of those. Just, you know, I think another one that is funny, but it works for everything in life, including business. This isn't a book, but it's, I guess, like an article or a speech. It's called Beware of Pride. And that that article or talk given by Ezra Taft Benson has been 
huge for me too. I feel like there's such an opportunity to be prideful in every aspect of life, but especially when you have a following, you have people who are reading your blog or or giving you compliments or whatever, that talk, I try to read it pretty frequently because I feel like it brings me back to square one every time and helps me to see things really clearly and see where I'm wrong and where I need to let go of any type of pride or resentment in any situation. And it that has really helped me in everything, including business. I love this question. Do you have couple friends who have been supportive in recovery and how do you find them? Couple friends. Hey, yes. Jane Lexi. I know. Jane Lexi, shout out. And other couples who don't want their anonymity broken, just Jane Lexi are... They're, Super they're open. out in the public. They've been on our podcast before. They're, yeah, they're broke anonymity. But, but other friends, they know who they are. Sure. We have many, and the place that we find them is? The meetings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that was one of the things that when we when I first went to an ARP meeting, and that's what I love about ARP, general ARP, is that at first it was a challenge for me because I was used to going to a closed 12-step meeting, meaning like you couldn't have support people there. It was only people who were interested in their own recovery. So... General ARP is cool because you could have a spouse come or somebody who was affected by the addiction. So you get these couples that show up to these meetings. And um, when I first went into the 12-step meeting out in South Orange County and met this really cool couple, um, Jay and Lexi, and just hear, heard what they had to say, like instantly I was like, man, these guys are really cool. And, and I think Corinne would really like them. So we got to know them. And then, you know, as and that's the cool thing about meetings is you hear people share and you really get to know them on a deep level. And so that friendship kind of just comes naturally. And then, you know, obviously it's like, hey, you know, after the meeting, it's like, what are you doing this weekend? Like, let's go out, grab a bite, all of us, or let's do this. Let's go to the beach together or whatever. Well, those and, friends are, yeah, they're they're like celestial friends. They're like yeah, the type yeah. of friends that I feel like next to our family, like if we died and all got to heaven – I feel like we would see them first because they're like the type of friends that you've been through the trenches with them. You know their deepest lows and their highest highs. We've like watched so many of these couples go through miracles where they were on the brink of divorce and then, you know, now they're thriving. They're helping other people. They have so much joy. And so, yeah, we found those friendships through going to ARP, through going to the meetings weekly. And it's kind of like you show up and they're like you're, you know, they're, they're your friends that you see every week. Like, how, where else do you have that other yeah. than church? But even at church, you just don't not typically... Not on that level. You're not you don't get really that deep. getting understanding yeah. of what's going on. So I, it's just one of the many reasons I highly recommend going to general ARP together. Do you each love your in-laws? Any tips? Block out my name if you share the question, please. <laughs> So we won't tell you who asked that, but I'll go first. I do really love my in-laws. I will say that Neil's family and my family are polar opposites. Yes. So we do things very differently. That's not right or wrong, just super different. When Neil first told me that he was buying a house five minutes from his parents, I was kind of nervous thinking like, oh my gosh, if things work out with this guy, do I want to live five minutes from my in-laws? And that didn't turn out to be a problem at all. His parents are pretty like hands off. They were, you know, it's not like they were just accidentally showing up every single day by Very, any means. Kind of more of a disconnected s- style, a little, little more loose um, mm-hmm. than Corinne's family. Yeah. But I will say that, um, you know, some of the differences in our families have been challenging just because 
whatever way you grew up in your mind, that's the right way to do yeah. things, you know? So I still, I think to this day, our very biggest fight ever was our first Christmas Eve <laughs> because you go <laughs> into holidays with so much expectation of this is the way it should be. This is the way my family does things. And Neil went into Christmas Eve thinking like, oh, for sure, Corinne will understand just how important this is to me. And I went in thinking the same thing, like for sure, Neil will understand just how important it is for us to go catch the end of my family's Christmas Eve. And we had a huge blow up that night. And I think that the thing we learned from that is to set up expectations ahead of time and promise each other that there's no hidden expectation that things will change. If you agree upon it up front, then, then it's like, you know, you can hash it all out ahead of time. And that's worked pretty well for us, but I don't know what other... Our, I love my in-laws. I think they're great. Just and I love really, your Really, really good people. Super just admirable. It was really important for me to marry somebody who had strong values and principles, and I for sure got that. And I think that came from my in-laws. I think we had a rough start just because of the nature of our relationship. You know, partway through our dating and while in engagement, kind of everything broke about my addiction. And so they found out and for good reason, we're concerned about that. And so there was a lot of, you know, a lot of struggle and strife that came because of that. And so, but the cool thing is, is we worked through it and, you know, they were really understanding and great people and, and just having the, having those conversations and kind of getting that everything out on the table has really enabled me to have a better relationship with them. That said, like, that's a very, that's a whole nother conversation in and of itself of, you know, when you should tell somebody or if you should, and that's not the right solution for everybody, but that's just kind of how things shook out for us and our relationship. But yeah, I agree with what Corinne said. Like In-laws can just, it just can be really hard. Another thing that I'm thinking of is, you know, when Dave died and we sat down to try to plan the funeral, like there just are different dynamics of different families and it's not right or wrong. There's just even like the songs that your dad wanted sung at the funeral and the songs that Nikki wants sung, the wife versus the father and, and those different families and what feels right. And so I just think that like uh, oftentimes in... I think it's good to recognize in highly emotional situations yeah, or sure. situations where there's a lot of expectations like holidays or birth or death or anything like that, where you can go into situations like that and set up um, your expectations as far as like, okay, this is probably going to be highly emotional or there's probably going to yeah. be really um, you know, strong opinions to just try to have as much grace and understanding as possible because those are just hard no matter what. And oftentimes it's not because someone's doing anything right or wrong. It's just people have different expectations. And I think as well is it's important to voice those expectations Mm because one thing that I can do is like the expectations are there and and they may be strong, but you kind of feel given the situation, you're like, oh, this person really feels passionately about this. And so, you know, maybe the intent is to be, and this is something that I've struggled with is like to be the good guy and be like, oh no, no, it's cool. Like all, you know, forego my expectations for yours, but then be resentful about it later. So one thing that I think I've had to learn in our relationship is to set those expectations and be honest about how you really feel about something. And then it enables you to work together on setting up expectations or setting up a balance to where both individuals have an opportunity to, to get, you know, have those expectations met. But if you withhold the expectation, then 
the other person doesn't know. And then they're wondering, why are you so mad right now? It's like, well, actually, I really wanted this or I really wanted that. It's like, oh, well, I didn't know that. Totally. So. If you had a baby boy, what would you name him? I love all your girls' names, by the way. (laughs) Something tough, you know, Maximus or (laughs) (laughs) something. I don't know. What? That is so funny. Well, I don't know that this would happen, but my a couple of my best friends in college, the three of us always talked about how we loved the name Bentley, but only one of the three <laughs> of us have had a baby boy, so she's taken the name Bentley, but I'm I still like that name. I would consider yeah, I it. I have to work that one out a little bit. I don't know that Neil's on, on board. I mean, this is why when we've picked girl names, yeah. by the time we pick it, it's such a struggle between us that we're like, okay, we can't tell anyone. Well, the problem is, is because everyone knows somebody. It's like, oh, I knew a Bentley and he was a blah, 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 blah. This guy's a horrible. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what about this name? Well, it's like, well, I knew a Jody and she was such a, you know, na, 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 na. And she was this and that. And so it ruins every single name yeah. that you have. I had a friend, you're going to bring it up. I already know that Corinne had a name picked out for one of our girls. And she's like, what about this name? And I'm like, one of my friends dated a gal named this name. It just ruins it for me. And I, I, it's not going to work. I ended up getting my way with that eventually though. Kind of. Well, I don't know. Kind of. Come on. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Story for another day. One of our children has that middle name now, so it's fine. It all worked out. Okay. Last question. What are some of your favorite things about each other? Well, there's a surface level favorite thing, and there's like the, the deeper level favorite things. Um, surface level, Corinne's super attractive, exceptionally attractive. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Awkward. But no, I think spiritually, again, I think for me, values and principles, that was super important. That was the one thing that I really, really wanted in a spouse, and like she has totally exemplified that. Like I've gotten more than I thought that I would would get in that area. I think Corinne is very excellent at planning and thinking ahead and like setting up fun activities for our family and opportunities and things. And that's something that I'm not great at. And I think we are aligned in in some of the things that we like to do together. Um, So those are just a few of the things that, yeah, I really like about Corinne. That's fame. Okay, well... Some of the things I like about Neil, I like that he is an amazing dad. And that sounds like a cliche thing to say, but he is definitely the favorite of the two parents in this family. I don't know about that. So it's true. Like, I discovered this a few months ago. Neil went on a boys' trip, and I was putting our oldest Annabelle down. And she was like, Mom, will you tell me a story about me? And I was like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) She's like, yeah, Dad does this. He tells me a story about me. And I was like... Oh, okay. But he really does take the time to just love our girls individually, and he is an absolutely incredible dad. So there's one thing. And I would say the other thing that I – I mean, obviously I'm very attracted to Neil too and was Thanks from the get-go. Thanks for that in there. I was no, getting you're, concerned. You're and worried. by the way, as far as Karen being an excellent mother, she's amazing. So oh, Thanks. The other thing that I really love about Neil is that, you know, there are people who struggle to support others in a genuine way, to like really be happy for their success and to cheer them on and to see the good in others. And that's not something that Neil struggles with at all. He gets almost more joy and satisfaction out of seeing others succeed, whether that's mentoring them or teaching them or like, you know, teaching the young men that I've watched him work with in our church or, you know, 
helping friends out, helping people walk through the steps as a sponsor or just even me, like even when he is genuinely happy for my success or for things that I can overcome or get better at or learn to do better or whatever, he just really genuinely sees that in other people. And I feel like that is something that not everyone's good at, but he really is genuinely good at that. Oh, thank you. That's You're really welcome. Nice of you to say. Well, this was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wanted to say, too, there were a few topics that came up over and over in questions that I felt like, okay, we've got to do a separate episode. One was divorce. A lot of people asked about questions about my divorce, which I'm never going to go into like detail about what happened, but I am happy to talk about what it felt like and how to support someone going through that and what the best things were that I did immediately after to kind of you know start a new life and so we'll do an entirely separate episode about that another one was finances we had a lot of questions about budgeting and finances and I have a friend who is a total expert on that who's going to come on and be a guest soon so we will definitely cover those topics on later episodes but this was fun I think we'll probably do more episodes like this just you and me on different topics Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.